0: RMA would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Dharawal people. We pay our respects to the Elders past and present and extend that respect to other Aboriginal people listening today.
1: Um, and, and there's something mm-hmm. so beautiful about a marathon finishing finish line because it's just so hard. They are hard to do. They're not... It's, you can't just go wake up one morning and go and run a marathon. You, everyone has to work to get there and they and they are hard on the day. Um, and I really, you know, I just think that that that's, there's something really special about being gifted um, that opportunity to be part of that. Um, and I think also like, you know, when, and I don't know, I, I was in, we were in Chicago, I think Lisa, when Kipchoge broke too and and that you know it it wasn't about breaking two it's about being limitless and i i just there's something special about the marathon i think that you can't script it you can't script a marathon you can train so hard for a certain time and it doesn't come together and then you can think that you know you haven't got it you're not where you should be and then it all comes together and i just love that sense of you don't actually know what's going to happen on the day and and it's about going out there and and putting it all coming together for you all that work that you've done um uh, you know anyone listening to this podcast even if you're not going to run a marathon go 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 to the sydney marathon finish line be part of that race and then you'll see what i'm talking about it's almost something you can't put into words Mm -hmm.
0: hello welcome back to another episode of the rma podcast thanks for joining me today we have something very special lined up for you this podcast is talking about all things marathon marathons have become hugely popular in australia and all over the world um and but most recently i think it's probably because of the back end of the COVID 19 pandemic i mean everybody needed something to be able to do and keep active and lots of people took up running and I think that the result of that has led to people competing in lots of different road races and building up to the marathon. Uh, Anyway that's my theory and I'm going to stick with it. I think that you know we've seen a huge rise and I've talked to lots of people in the industry, in the running industry, um, running stores and event directors and um, yeah Running has boomed. So we've just seen races like Sydney Marathon and Melbourne Marathon sell out of like Melbourne sold out of its half marathon and full marathon events months before and Sydney sold out of its half marathon as well months before the race is even going to begin and so that's pretty incredible to see. So we thought we would get some marathon runners on to talk to you, some really experienced marathon runners. And whoever then, the amazing Lisa Waitman and Anna Kroger, who are part of our RMA community and both RMA ambassadors. Lisa is a four-time Olympic distance marathon runner, and she has competed all over the world in many marathons, not just in the Olympics. She, in this podcast mentions, she's run over 20 marathons. And her experience as an elite level runner is incredible to have that insight into our community. But not only that, she's a really humble, down to earth person. And she talks in this podcast about how she juggles that level of running with full time work and her own family. So she's a great person to have on the podcast today. And then also, we have Anna Kroger, who is a six star finisher of the World Major Marathon Series. Um, and we talk about that experience and we talk about why marathons mean so much to her and what she loves about them. Um, and also, I guess, her shift in training from when she was competing in marathons with a bit of a different mindset to now and why she loves marathons today. We talk about about why uh, she is excited about the upcoming Sydney Marathon as well and its candidature for the World Major Marathon Series. And so many of us are running at Sydney this year, which is really exciting to celebrate 10 years of RMA and also, obviously, to run the marathon. So we talk about that and what that would mean for marathons in Australia and also around the world as well. I hope you love this episode. We go into all things that RMAs wanted to know about marathons. I put the questions out into our community and so we try and answer them the best we can from our own experiences. If you have any questions that we haven't answered that you would love to answer, have answered, please email me at runningmumsaustralia at gmail.com or you can shoot me a PM or you can comment down in the comments of this podcast episode, and we would love to have them answered for you. And of course, you can reach out to our podcast guests as well, who are more than happy to answer any questions that you have. For now, I would love to introduce you to Lisa Waitman and Anna Kojar talking all things marathon with me. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocreme Massage Gel. Physiocram has been helping Running Mounts Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and Physiocram has our back. To get your own Physiocram, head to www.physiocram.com.au Don't forget, if you're a member of the Member Program, you can get 20% off with your Member Code. You can also find Physiocram at your local pharmacy. All right, we'll get into it. So basically um, I sent you the questions of what I, we'll, we'll see how we go getting through all of those, but I just put it out there to RMA because I figured it'd be good to have a podcast around marathons or road running and only because um, that, there really has been a big boom really and I actually was writing our newsletter today and I thought oh, I'll write about that because yeah, I think the booms come about since COVID, I reckon it's it's like it happened then when everyone was like, right, how am I going to exercise? And they all got out and started running. <laughs> and then now the result of that, I think, is that people are actually starting to enter races and two years on, marathons and half marathons and things. And we're seeing that in like sold out, yeah, marathons like Melbourne sold out marathon half marathon, like Sydney is sold out of the half months yeah. before their events. So yeah. I just think wow, that's pretty incredible. So yeah, I just put out to RMAs all of the questions that they'd like answered. And I thought it'd be great to have both of you because obviously, Lisa, you come from the pointy end of the field and, you know, elite marathon runner. But in saying that, you have so much um, knowledge in terms of how to train and and get the best out of yourself as a mum as well, a working mum in doing and being disciplined with your training. And then... I really wanted the perspective of Anna as well because she's like all of us. like At the other end.
1: Um, right. I'm like a <laughs> person not coming to get the
0: point in. <laughs> like a working mum as well, but just who really wanted to chase that world major dream and I wanted to talk about the world majors. So I thought it would be, and then I'll just throw my little two cents in. I've done, I don't remember. <laughs> it's hard to think because it's been so long since I've done a marathon. I think I've done six marathons and then I went to trials and ultras. I don't know. I can't remember. I think it was six. Anyway, yeah. um, and actually, I'm trying to relearn again what I did back when I trained for marathons as I was discussing with you, Lisa. Like,
2: yeah, last yeah. week,
0: like, oh, this it's so different. I'm already injured two weeks in. Like, anyway, <laughs> I do mean I'm to back, laugh, but I'm injured. not
2: surprised it is so different. I, I, was, saying to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was saying to lock before because I did this long session today and I like. training for 10 k's and half marathons like I just like to go out and do intervals and run fast and get the job done right I think it's just my personality but today I had to do like the tempo and I hear sometimes some of the other girls and they're like oh what's your favorite session and they're all like I just love doing like the 14k or 15k tempo run and I think oh gosh it's so boring
1: like for me it's so boring (laughs) it's like
0: (laughs) so then I say Am I a marathon runner again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and with, you know, I ask a lot of questions. I'll be asking a lot of questions around that, around different sessions you can do in marathon training. So it isn't so boring. Like, yeah, yes. I kind of mix it up, I feel. Um, yeah. But anyway, so firstly, I'll say welcome. Welcome back to the RMA podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I've recorded one. Um, I've really got to get back together. Um, But life happens um, and we get a little bit sidetracked sometimes, but it's really exciting to talk about marathons tonight and road running and running around the world, um, because I think that this episode might inspire some people to get out there and, you know, create some marathon dreams for themselves. But I wanted to start with where your first marathon was so i'm going to ask each of you i'll start with you lisa can you think back to your first marathon where was that and what was that experience like for you
2: yeah so my first one was was in 2008 and i ran london i was in the world cross-country team and we won a bronze medal for australia two weeks before london but in the lead up to that prep locke said to me hey why don't you try and get into london marathon and see you never know you might make the olympics And I went and ran London and ran 232 and I was fortunate to be selected for the Olympic team and ended up on the start line in Beijing thinking, wow, this is so surreal, you know, here and I'm running in the Olympics. (laughs) So it was a pretty cool experience. Everyone said to me, oh, it's so hard at like 35K, you'll feel like you can't go on. And so I was a bit scared of what was going to happen at 35K. Uh, but you know my legs, my quads just got really tired, and there was a sleep, some sleepy rain that started, and so I was just running through the last sort of five miles with sleet and a headwind, thinking, "Gee whiz, I'd like to stop and sit down on the corner of the <laughs> road right now." Um, but made it to the finish and qualified. So yeah, so it does get a little hard towards the end, but I guess that's all about pacing and training, and um, and every marathon then ends up a different experience from there.
0: Mm, I think it's really nice to hear and I mean my experience was so similar to yours in terms of <laughs> you know running a 232 no, you know. <laughs> 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 my first marathon no totally the other end but um I think it's really good to hear that it's hard for everybody um yeah. I mean, it's a challenge for everybody no matter where you come in the field and that it does get hard towards the end of a marathon and a marathon is really all about grit and determination and pushing through when it does get hard and what we tell ourselves to be able to get to the end and we'll get into that later so thank you for sharing that Lisa um that is pretty inspiring that you managed to qualify on your first marathon like I just think that's super incredible um Anna what about you can you think back to your first marathon
1: I can and I am. Um, I had a look back on my race recap on the RMA website. Actually, about my first marathon. Um, it was in 2015, and I look back and at the end, um, I talk about our 11,000 members. And it's funny to think now that we've got you know 42 and a half thousand members in in that time. Um, my first marathon was on the Gold Coast. Um, I was well and truly an RMA. Um, I. Uh, ran in my RMA singlet and a group of RMA um, at that time, and um, uh, Jody O'Born uh, was our uh, our pacer that day. Um, it was great. I loved everything about it. It was. Um, I just ran with so much joy. I was so happy from the moment I took off to the end of the race. Um, I enjoyed every second. Um, I came in under four hours. I, I think it was about a three fifty three. So I was pretty happy because wasn't really i didn't consider myself a runner it was just really a mum that was going out to have some fun um but i just i just loved everything about it and i've loved everything about my running journey ever since i i just i don't i can't imagine a day where i don't wake up and run um and the days that i don't run um i feel it all day i don't feel myself i don't i'm not as productive um But it's interesting because the four things that I recapped on in uh, that race recap is respect your training, honour your commitment, celebrate your victory and smile and enjoy that moment. So I thought there was something so nice about that to read back on that um, memory Um, because it was just, it was awesome. I just had such, and I think I was lucky because I think some people have a, you know, their first marathon is horrible and then they never want to go back um but I was super lucky because I just I loved every step of that race I I just thought it was so much fun and I was like wow let's do this again (laughs) I think I think I think that night I signed up for another marathon I'm like we're gonna do this all the time this is awesome
0: (laughs) I don't doubt (laughs) that you You totally would have done that and I love that the reason that you probably loved it so much is that to you it was all about having fun and community and challenging yourself and you know, you enjoyed every minute and you said you ran with joy and you can do that in a marathon. It doesn't have to be all, like, horrible. Like, you can do that in a marathon. And and that's what's so important about um, is marathons like, you know, Sydney coming up like a world major is they're trying to make it accessible for everybody. You know, you've got a seven-hour cutoff. That is really accessible for pretty much anybody who wants to have a go and train and and finish a marathon. Um and you will have people that obviously it's all work and focus and, and it's all about PBs and times and then you'll have people that are there for the, the full-on road party. Mm. Um, and that's <laughs> what I love about the marathon is that it encompasses everybody. And And I remember my first marathon in Sydney. I clearly remember training for that marathon thinking I'm going to be last <laughs> I like, like, I thought I was going to be last and then I got there and I was so surprised by everybody around me being so different, like older people and young people, and like people in wheelchairs and people pushing prams. And like I just couldn't believe what I was seeing because I'd never actually experienced something like that before. And I remember yeah. um being interviewed actually, I should try and dig it up. I think I dug it up a few years ago and shared it in RMA. I was interviewed by black moors on one of their cameras before the start and um, just about what I wanted to achieve that day and I think I was saying how I just wanted to have fun and I just wanted to enjoy it and and you know have a sense of accomplishment and I did I really cannot think of anything negative about that experience like yeah it got hard it really got hard towards the end in the later parts of that race but I loved every step of that journey and I If i look back now i think wow imagine what my life would have been like had i not run that marathon that marathon was the catalyst to what started rma just after that is why i started it and this is why i want to run city marathon this year to celebrate the 10 years of all of the people that i've met and the achievements that we've had as a collective um and and hopefully into the future may will continue to just inspire so many thousands more women to do have dreams like I had and so yeah I just I look back with fond memories um and the fact marathons that I you know the other marathons that I've done have all been had different focuses I guess but that first one has just such a special place in my heart like I'm sure your marathons do too Anyway, let's get into it. So firstly, Lisa, I just wanted to quickly touch base with you. Um, if you just want to tell everybody what you're up to at the moment, um, obviously, you're training for something very special coming up.
2: I am. So I was grappling with the decision on whether to nominate for world championships or not this year. I just was a little concerned about how warm it will be in Budapest. And of course, once I did nominate, then all of a sudden there's a heat wave in Europe, right? So of yeah. course that was going to happen.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: a real heat wave (laughs) so right now I'm in Cairns with Lachlan and we're doing three weeks um in out of Melbourne just trying to acclimatize to the heat Uh, and um very grateful to my parents who are looking after our boy Pete at home while he finishes his term three um so yeah we're here for three weeks and then I'll join the team in Budapest um, a week before and
0: then racing on the 26th of August. Oh, so exciting! Can we watch? Is there a way that we can watch? The yeah,
2: it, I think SBS might be covering it, and it's a good time for Australia because it's Sunday at three PM or Saturday at three PM. Actually, I better check the date.
0: The race <laughs> sure.
2: uh, Saturday at three PM. It is, I think. So yeah, so uh, good. Yeah, so that it's nice viewing for a nice Sunday afternoon with the warmth, and you can. Put the heaters up
0: and
3: experience the warmth, right?
0: Imagine we're in Budapest. in <laughs> I think I'll put the, uh, the air conditioning on for you. <laughs> yeah, that's
3: right. Oh, yeah, wow. so and we, I mean,
2: we've been here for a few days and, yeah, we've had all all different temperatures here in Cannes so far. And, uh, yeah, so far so good. Um, we're both working here as well. So um, yeah. that's keeping us fairly busy and as normal as possible,
0: but certainly missing people. Yeah. How do you typically go with hot marathons?
2: Well, I've ran a few. Um, the Olympic one last one didn't go so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so but look, I'm in a lot better shape and I'm handling the heat a lot better um, than back then. I think there were a lot of factors that went into that performance and, you know, just just with all the COVID crazy that was going on and mm-hmm. wasn't quite able to do the work back then, obviously, with all of our lockdowns and things that I have been able to do this year, so yeah, it's looking pretty good with where I'm at right now, and yeah, hopefully this heat work will just put the icing on the cake.
1: Mm. I'm so excited well, you, see, to you just keep getting better and better. Uh, you just knock it out of the water every time. I just, I, I can't believe every time I think you, you've you've done so well, you just go out and just do better again. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's quite, oh unbelievable
2: thanks Anna. Incredible. I, I, th- I think it's probably look it's it's been about a long a bit of longevity um because when i was young i had such i was so injury prone that it took me a while to really be able to continue to you know develop as an athlete and and lay the foundations and so as i've gotten older i've we've tried taking a few more risks and tried a bit more and loaded a bit more and nice and carefully, I guess. So that that's probably the main reason I've been doing this for so long is that you sort of get to a point and achieve a goal and then say, well, if I was able to do, you know, this, this and this and increase, you know, some mileage or do some longer sessions, well, why not take that risk and do that now that, you know, I'm 44 and what am I waiting for? So if something goes a bit miss then you know at least i know i've done everything i possibly can so i can see what the end result will be so it's kind of been loading a bit more in the last few and that's certainly shown with a result at the end but as we know like in life running's just the same as anything in life we we might put a lot into something and think we're ready to go but um you know other things come you know end up in your way you get sick you know things that you can't really do much about and um, so when it does work out, you've got to hold on to that and celebrate and be grateful for that opportunity.
1: And I think there's a beautiful lesson in that, right? About taking risks and you know not always staying in your safe zone because that's where you're, going outside that comfort zone is where where the magic happens, right? And and I think as, as as we get older, we we kind of understand that a little bit more than we ever did. Yeah, um, I think that's a, there's some some beautiful lessons in that. Mm. yeah
2: that's right because if we like i could have kept going along the same lines and doing similar training but i'll get the same result um whereas now i know that the body was going really well since you know about 2013 was my last major injury so um you know everything's been kind of going nice going along nicely and so we decided to load a bit over the christmas period um this year and and it paid off in osaka so yeah, so hopefully with all of that foundational work, you know, Budapest can go well and then another one later in the year and then fingers crossed we get to go back to the Olympics again and uh, have a do-over.
0: <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, people listening, like, you know, I had one person comment something about that, you know, if I was going to be interviewing an, a, an elite runner for the marathon that maybe they wouldn't understand what it was like for somebody who's at the back of the pack. Or somebody who's just, you know, like us, just working mums, having a go. But I'm I'm like, I'm pretty sure you'll be surprised because you are just like us. Yeah, you're not at the back of the pack. You're at the front of the pack, but you're doing everything we're doing. So you aren't a full-time athlete. Well, you are, but you actually have a full-time job. And you work. You have a child that you're raising, a family to look after. You do all the things that we have to do. And on top of that, you have really high level training to do, squeeze it in every inch of your day that you can work around you and your family's dynamics, your husband, both your work, you know, you've left your child at home so you can go up and train to be able to get this window of opportunity for you for world champs. Like there's just so much, I guess, that I wanted to celebrate in that for you, Lisa, because you actually sacrifice a lot for your sport, but you actually, you know, are probably one of the most balanced people I know. Like you are so good at sharing your life. I mean, I see it on socials and just see it like what you share as well. But you spend so much time with your family. It's not like they miss out, do you know what I mean? Because your sport comes first. It's like your family comes first and your sport slots in. Um, And I just think it's really important to say that because not everybody can, I guess, just... Have no job and go running all day. Um <laughs> awesome. I never really can do that. Um and you make it work so well. And obviously sounds
1: nice though, doesn't it? <laughs> nice.
0: how
2: we can do that. In fact, I think this We need to brainstorm that, right? <laughs> so I haven't cracked
0: um, it in 44 yeah. years you now. <laughs> oh gosh, then I'd be really injured.
2: Um
0: but yeah, I think you know, you just make it work and and I love how transparent you are about all of that. Um you're really amazing on in every field that you put your mind to um in your your professional life and in your sporting life and I just think it's commendable um and I just can't I think that's why of that and I I think that's why so many mums just love following you because Mm. you're just such a
1: joy to watch um compete and it's such a joy we live that joy and that celebration every time you just you just keep you just keep achieving amazing things and you keep getting better and it's just I'm not sure and I think I've told you this before over the years that joy that you give to all of us is is special
3: Mm,
2: yeah yeah that makes me feel very special because on a day-to-day basis as you both attest to it's pretty crazy so you know we're like all right, what's your calendar look like? When can we fit in this two-hour session? Let's look, yeah, like that se- yeah. section out. All right, let's go. We're going to go now.
3: We're
2: going to fit this session in. We've got to go now. We've got to get back into yeah. our, you know, yeah. back to the desk, back onto work stuff because, you know, work is important. My team at work is important to me as well and, you know, making sure they're going well and, and doing everything I can to support them and their careers is important to me as well. So mm-hmm. it's... Um, yeah, it's an interesting juggle, but it's very rewarding too when you make it all come together somehow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you I make guess it we come kind together? of yeah. got to forgive each other. You know, we get hard on ourselves because we're like, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to get that done and I'm not spending enough time doing that. And and in the end, really, like, it all kind of just works out in the wash, right, as long as you've got some support around you because it can get a bit too much at times. And and then those times you kind of got to step back and go, hang on a minute, I need a moment, you know, and um, take that moment because you can't live the crazy life like 24 hours a day, every day, forever. It's not sustainable.
0: Mm, 100%. Mm -hmm. Speaking of crazy days, uh, Anna, (laughs) (laughs) she lives a bit of a crazy life as well. She says yes to many things. Um, Lots of fingers in lots of pies. Um, Tell us quickly what you're training for right now.
1: I'm also training for Sydney um sydney will be marathon number 20 um wow. and look we're just having a really good time doing it um we're in week nine so this weekend we'll host uh um the brisbane run club for sydney marathon which is just a, a big group of rma chris gale and his uh and gale force runners and anyone else that wants to come along in brisbane we're following the um training plan but we've also got like a A bunch of women that are coming that are doing the half or doing the 10k and there's we kind of cater to anyone that wants to come along it's my running and I I remember saying this to so many people once I qualified for Boston running I just wanted to be about joy um I I told everyone that's it I'm not training hard anymore I just want to run every day for the rest of my life not be injured and just love it and I've kind of done that um yeah. I don't train hard I run every single day we meet every morning um, my girlfriends and I at either 4 30 depending on kids sport either 4 30 or 5 we run seven days a week and it is just joy and I don't want to take the joy out of it because I don't want it to be another pressure in my day and in my life because it's actually what I love I, I love that time of day I love the sunrise every morning as you know we're catching up on the latest news and I, it's just, yeah, running just gives me so much joy. I never want it to be just another thing on my to-do list, mm-hmm. um, and and I, I get a lot of joy out of the training training now because it's it's just for fun. My marathons are slow. They're fun. They're social. Lots of talking, um, and and I really I just love it. I, I you know I, I there's no there's no stress in it. There's no stress in leading up to it. I mean, if you get your K's ticked over. You can generally but you, you're going to be okay like yeah. um yeah. so yeah it's it's good fun and and sydney is going to be special with its candidature so um i want to be part of that i want to i really want to see sydney become a world marathon major um so uh, i want to do everything i can to to support that and um i'll be i'll definitely be running at this here and next
0: so let's talk about that. So obviously you have done the world majors. You are a six-star finisher. You've run at every world major marathon. So congratulations. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. I'll make sure in the show notes that I direct people to one of your past episodes. But what do, what does it actually mean for Sydney? What will it mean for us as, in Australia to have Sydney as a world major marathon if we do make it as a world major over the next two years?
1: Look, I think the world majors are, are really special. Uh, I mean, uh, Lisa's run marathons all over the world, but there's something about finishing a world marathon major um, where you have the crowds and the infrastructure and the on-course entertainment. And, you know, they're a big event. It's like having a Grand Slam come to your city or, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to compare it, you know, a Grand Prix. Um, It is Big. It's a big deal for Sydney. Wow. Um, it's a big deal in an on, on a number of levels. It's a big deal for the city. It's a big deal for tourism. It's a big deal for the running community. Um, it's an opportunity to see some of the best runners in the world come in and a- athletes in the world come in and take take part in a in a major. Um, each each major is really different, um, and there's something special about each major. Uh, that's really relatable to that city. So it's the opportunity for Sydney to showcase what Sydney is to the world. Um, and people do travel for majors and people go back and talk about those majors. So it's it's a tremendous opportunity for Sydney. It's a tremendous opportunity for Australia, but it's also a tremendous opportunity for the running community to rec- to, to welcome the rest of the world um to to our shores and i i think you know we have such a strong and vibrant running community you know i want to show off what we have to offer i i want to you know i want to welcome um athletes from around the world to, to see how how gorgeous it is where we run um so uh, it, it is it is a big deal and i think that this year people will get a taste for that when they run sydney with the additional entertainment the additional spectator the additional activation activations there you will get a taste of what that's going to be like this year um and and it can only get bigger and better and more exciting so look i i i'm i'm so excited i i think it's going to be an amazing thing um amazing thing for uh australian athletes and an amazing thing for um, international athletes to come here and and be able to participate in an event like this.
0: Mm. I mean, I'm so pumped for it. Hopefully my back gets better in the next few days. (laughs) I'll do my long run. (laughs) Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to that atmosphere. And I know that, you know, this is just the first year of candidature. And I, I really hope that we get a taste of that this year. Um, This could be well, it was going to kind of do, be my last marathon, <laughs> but maybe not. <laughs> if <you> know <laughs> city becomes a world major well, I might just have to have another <laughs> go, but, um yeah. yeah, and start my little journey. But I think, you know, it's exciting for our city. Um, I mean, I'm a Sydney girl. So for me, it's really exciting to have this here. And I really hope that we do get it. I mean, at the moment, they've clocked over 13,000 entries for the marathon. So, yeah few few weeks to go yet so hopefully we can get the numbers that we need of finishes and this will just be the stepping stone to even even better year next year um yeah so let's see what happens i mean i'm excited and pretty much everybody i know is running the marathon like in sydney (laughs) So i'm excited for the journey training training alongside other friends and um people who are excited about it too so yeah
1: watch this and the other beautiful thing at this time in history, I think there's like a little a little piece of history that people may not know. Sydney Marathon, it was a legacy from the Sydney 2000 Olympics. Mm. And as we head into Brisbane 2032, there's something beautiful about the legacy event for Athletics Australia was the Sydney Marathon. Mm. And we're heading into to another home Olympics and it's a candidature for a World Marathon major. And there's something so... I don't know nice about that that you know full sense of history all coming together at this time for australia
0: yeah absolutely so let's talk about marathons then now let's talk about what a marathon is firstly so those that that are listening that have never ever ever heard of a marathon before which i find really highly unlikely given we're running (laughs) however um it's 42.2 kilometers um in our metrics um so and the only I was looking up some stats the percentage of people out throughout the world that run and finish a marathon each year only equates to approximately 0.01 percent of the global population which I found I was like really like but then maybe just because I feel like everybody's a runner (laughs)
3: <laughs> they're not.
0: You just hang around with all the crazies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but they're actually not. So there's actually a really elite group of people who run marathons, and we are it. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's pretty incredible. Travelers, um, always travel it? <laughs> It's amazing. So you know, and as we said before, a marathon encompasses so many different types of people um from so many different walks of life and so many different ages and and ethnic groups and, and you know uh faiths, just and the world majors is an, an amazing place to showcase all of that. So another reason why it's so special if we get to have it here. Um, but I wanted to talk about training and I asked RMAs to ask you guys questions around how we should train for marathons. And I'm gonna pretty much every question I ask you is coming from them. So i put through a list and I've kind of tried to put it into groups I guess some about training some about race day and some about mindset maybe a little bit about post-marathons so starting off with training and you can talk about your own personal experience firstly I want to ask maybe Anna what does your life experience or what has your life experience I should say how has Mm -hmm. that helped you as a marathon runner in terms of your training Um, yeah look
1: I think um I think there's a personality type that loves this kind of mm-hmm. endurance race. I think you know y- you tend to be someone who fits a lot into your life. Um, you tend to be a high achiever and um, and also someone who loves to stick to a list of things that they need to get done. So I think there's a lot of discipline that comes with marathon training, um, and and that suits some personality types. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I think that's part of it. But, you know, as I reflect on the last 10 years of RMA and also, you know, Lisa's journey, I think there is, there is something to being a mum that, you know, you see some of our best athletes go and have a baby and come back and they are stronger than you've ever seen them Mm -hmm. um and as their children grow up and they grind through those those early years they you know our our female athletes just keep getting better Mm -hmm. um and I think that 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 says a lot about the marathon itself um and the kind of the kind of um life experience that makes you successful at a marathon or long-distance running, um, and Lisa's just a, a beautiful example of that, um, life experience gives you, like I'm not sure that if at 19 someone said go and run a marathon, I would have been, I would have had the mental ca- capability to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, as you get older and and more determined, I think there's... Um, it, it really sets you up beautifully for this type of running, um, because it, it it does reflect your life. It it's um, certainly for me. It's about one foot in front of another, grinding it out. And I'm really good at the grind. I'm not very fast, but I can grind, and I know that. And even when I'm tired in a marathon, I know I can keep grinding for hours. Like I know I can go further you know if, if you tell me I have to run three times the distance I know I can get that done because I, can, I know I can just push through that and there's something about being getting older and and being a woman that you you're pretty good at that right like you're pretty yeah. good at grinding mm-hmm. in grinding out getting up doing the same thing making your lunch boxes getting ready getting everyone out the door get, going, getting through your work day coming home doing dinners you know getting setting your alarm for four to go for a run again like there's something with age that that makes you particularly um, particularly well-placed to run run a race like this.
0: Mm. What about you, Lisa? Can you think back through, like, in your marathon training that you're even doing now, can you think back through, like, different experiences, not only in training and competing, but just in life that help you through this type of process with training for a marathon? <sighs>
2: Yeah so for me I've got a job in IT and all of our work is projects which go on for quite a number of years in some cases so my life is all about uh, practice and preparation and waiting for this go live uh, and working through issues and challenges and supporting each other through that achievement of you know um, going live with a you know technology um, implementation and so that and then add in the marathon i'm kind of practicing all of those things um you know in both aspects of my life and then throw in becoming a mum and then you add in there all of the uh tasks and things that anna went through and you pretty much got like project plans and to-do lists and, <laughs> <laughs> and diaries going going everywhere <laughs> in my life so yeah but i think the key thing that we forget to talk about is that we do all of those things as a mum and as a wife and a daughter and sister um because we love supporting each other and so you know we make nice lunches for our kids because we think oh you know that's we get satisfaction about nurturing them and knowing they're going to school happy and you know uh, maybe they don't like the green you know bits and bobs we put in there but you know we feel good about it and we get you know, a sense of satisfaction from those things. Mm -hmm. And it's a similar when we go out and do our training and we get satisfaction from looking after ourselves, you know, in that routine and and having that connection with our friends that we'll train with and family we train with. Um, You know, and similarly with my work situation Mm -hmm. when I'm helping and coaching others at work, I feel satisfaction out of that too. So I think it's not necessarily all about this, you know, perfectionism and this lifestyle of being a high achiever. For me, it's about being able to, you know, help others and 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 take others on a journey as well. And each of those aspects of my life I get, um, you know, something out of, you know, makes me feel good to help Pete and, and things like that. So um, mm. I think we should remember how much we celebrate and get out of all of those things that we put in each day because that's part of the process too.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that answer. And I think for me, like I think when I think back to my life experiences and how they've helped me, With training for things like marathons or ultras or whatever it is i'm training for at the time or even coaching girls to doing those things as well i use a lot of my past life experiences not just in training but just in mental resilience or when things don't go to plan how to change how to shift focus or how to refocus into what's important or you know if you do get injured or well okay well it's not the end of the world let's shift let's shift our mindset here um you know i had some some of my athletes like you know just recently they're training for some big races and they're doctors and they're like going to conferences and they're trying to fit in all the things and i'm like you just can't fit in all the things like you know you need to prioritize what's important um what's important is your job (laughs) what's important is your family and the training can slot in where it can slot in and we can adapt our training to be the best it can be in this situation so i think for me, you know, there was times when my training was, like, the most important thing almost, like, I just, but I wasn't happy. Like, I felt like I always fell short of what I was trying to achieve. So my focus now with training is to get the most out of myself if I can with the time I've got. Being consistent is a really big one for me, and I and I try and say that to a lot of the girls that I coach. Consistency is key. Like, consistency will win every time. Um, and also to enjoy it like you know if you're not finding joy out of your training then there's something not right about your mm-hmm. training so I think you know our life lessons as moms and as middle-aged women I guess we would say we are um, <laughs> does play a big part in the focus that we have um, in terms of doing these types of things and marathons being one of them and for you Lisa like you said before the longevity it's come because of things that you've learned throughout your life and how to adapt your training um, because of past mm-hmm. lessons. And you wouldn't, like you said, have that longevity had you not done that and learned those things. So, yeah, I just thought that was a good question that somebody asked about that. Um, the next question is how do you find the time, this kind of goes along with what we talked about, and consistent motivation to train as a busy working mum? So is there any tips that you can give, Lisa, about how you slot it into your busy schedule?
2: Yeah, you have to be invested in the goal and you need your support team around you to also be invested in the goal. So if the goal is like Anna's goal, which is I want to run every day with my girlfriends, be a happy person and enjoy that, and that's my non-negotiable Everyone I'm sure in the household knows that that's Anna's time and she's doing that and there's no, no question about it, right? But there's a very clear uh, goal and therefore you're going to continually prioritise that goal and then put that into your day accordingly. Mm. I think I have trouble when I'm not invested in something. So if I do something because somebody says they think I should do it and I'm not invested, then I'll just bap around and I won't actually do the training to the, to the right level that I need in order to produce the performance. And then the performance ends up being mediocre in my mind and not what I, like you touched on earlier, Nicole, and then I just feel bad about the whole process because I've half invested in this whole thing and not really been there and achieved, a, you know, an outcome that, you know, <laughs> was self-fulfilling, I guess. Yeah. So I think my number one tip is that whatever is your goal for training, and this goes across all aspects of your life, You know, write that down, know what that is, make sure everyone's invested because if you've also got a situation where someone's resenting what you're trying to do, then you need to work through that and and make sure that you're all on that same page and that you're each getting something out of, you know, the commitment and supporting each other. Whether that be at the same time or whether that be you've got different family goals at different times and each are supporting you, you know, making sure that you've got that opportunity to set that and be all in is And it could just be, like I said, it doesn't need to be as crazy as my situation where you're trying to run PBs at 44. It could just be that you just want to, you know, finish a 5K or you just want to go out for a walk. Um, You know, I just want to be able to go for a walk every day for 20 minutes. You know, maybe that's the goal and that's perfectly fine. And that'll be me, you know, when I retire.
3: Um, (laughs) But, you know,
2: you just, um, yeah, you, You've got to be, make that commitment. And the only way I feel I can do that is to set that goal and make sure everyone is on board with that what we're trying to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, you said some really important things there that I want to quickly touch on. The first one being, if you're not invested, then why are you really doing it anyway? Like, I, I feel like there might be people listening to this that go, actually, I've really been hating it. Um, yeah. Not invested. Yeah. And that happens a lot it's happened to me before, be honest with yourself and say, actually, a marathon's not for me. Or I don't want to do this event. I want to shift my focus to something else. And that's okay. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. Like I think you really need to be true to yourself and think, if this isn't serving me and my family and my happiness, then it's probably not the right time to be doing it. Um, We only get one life. We want to spend it the best time, you know, most, most of it doing things that we love. Um, and getting the best out of ourselves. And there's one way of, you know, challenging ourselves, but there's also like putting ourselves into misery. And I just don't think it's worth putting ourselves into misery over. Um, So that's one really important thing. And I I really love how you touched on that. It's not only us who need to be, I guess, invested in the goal and have, you know, we need to have the support around us and that we really need the whole family unit to be on board with that. And, yes, there are people that struggle with that and have people that aren't in their corner. And I I can't speak for those people. I've been very, very lucky to have a very supportive husband and family, Um, but there will be people that don't have that. And I guess that's Mm -hmm. something they're going to need to work through um, if they want to achieve, you know, something like a marathon because it does take a lot of time and commitment um, Mm -hmm. to train. Um, The next question I have is... The setup for training. Okay, so someone wants to know the setup for training, including the amount of running versus strength training. Um, So basically, like, how do you balance running? And everybody's different in this. So we might ask, let's ask Anna, because she talks a lot about how she does like to have a bit of a, a holistic approach to her training. So she does a lot of running, but she does a lot of yoga and strength as well. So how do you balance that in your training? What kind of I guess, what does your day or week look like in terms of training for you?
1: So um, going back to the last question probably is I'm very disciplined and I'm all about routine. It's all about consistency for me. I, I need to um, schedule my life to the minute. Um, so every morning is the same for me. I wake up at 4, you know, I, I meet the girls, um, we go for a run. Weekdays we tend to do, depending on our kids' um, sport schedule or work sh- or our work schedules, we um, we run anywhere between sort of six and ten k on weekdays. Um, I always fit in every day. For me, is exactly the same. I'm so boring. My life is so scheduled, um, but I can't fit everything in any other way. Um, so I'll always come back and I'll do sort of twenty minutes of yoga and strength every day. Um, just super consistent. I don't do a bazillion sets or three sets of anything. I just do the same routine day in, day out. Um yep. and and it's pretty it's pretty standard and boring and average. Um, but it works for me and and it works for um the amount that we have on and and getting the kids to where they need to be. So I'm I'm all about routine and consistency, mm-hmm. um, in my in my life. Um, but Lisa's probably much better to speak to this than I am because for me, it's just all very routine.
0: Do you do strength training, Lisa? For your training? so I only do strength. There'll be a few
2: people that I know that listen to this will be laughing at the when they hear me say this, but I only do strength training if I've got something that needs to be fixed. So. Two weeks ago I had some tightness in my perineal tendon, so I went to the physio, he gave me one exercise, and I'm doing that one exercise and it's fixed.
0: <laughs> and you're like, well,
2: done.
1: <laughs> Never doing that again.
2: Yeah. Now, I, having said that, I, as, you know, we talk about, like, My training is crazy, right? So by comparison, and it won't always be like this because when I retire from this level of competition, Mm -hmm. I will probably go into more of a routine like Anna's and I will also include walking and getting on the elliptical and just doing different things just for enjoyment and fitness. So, um, you know, but my training right now is this week is 200 kilometres for the whole week which means I'm averaging like 30 a a day, yeah. um, breaking that up across different parts of the day, jamming it. My my life isn't scheduled like Anna's as such in that I train at the same time every day. I can't do it that way because, you know, one day Pete has gymnastics, another day he's got Oz kick, the next day he's got art class. So we kind of like, you know, we run when he's at art class and we, you know, we, we do all these different, you know, these different regime or we'll We'll go to my nephew's footy match on a Sunday and then we'll run after, you know, run from the footy match and people go home with the family. Or, you know, just you jam, we kind of have a life where we kind of just jam it in to fit within the week's schedule. Um, And I like that flexibility across my training because I have the overall set structure of three main workouts and then easy running throughout. And I can then shift the plan to, accommodate the the diaries across the whole three of us in the house and then obviously other things happen across my extended family because we are so intertwined so my parents Locke's parents my sister my nephew we're very our diaries are very much integrated because we also try to help each other so it's not just about me having the supportive unit within my house it's yeah. other houses as well that help us get all each get to where we need to go and, and achieve things. So yeah so I don't do strength but like I said I would like to do a variety of things because I think the variety is interesting um, and just keeps you motivated to just do different things and and I will do that more so when I'm not marathoning.
0: Yeah I mean and it's interesting to just hear everybody and their perspective on this because you know in the grand scheme of people training and and let's just say mums in rma who are predominantly listening to this podcast um we're all so different and we all have mm-hmm. different schedules and different histories and different things we enjoy as well and so training for one person is going to look very different to somebody else yes there's the core training that we we should sort of be doing like maybe it's three different sessions a week like a, a speed session you know a long run maybe a hill run or some intervals you know that kind of thing and you might be able to fluff it out with a bit more if you need extra kilometres. Um, but everybody's training is going to be different depending on their schedule. And I think, too, like people, some people really hate strength training or some people really love it. Some people really like to do that more than the running. Like it's just yeah, depends right. on the people. I mean, I know myself um, as I've gotten older, I didn't always. When I was predominantly running marathons, I never strength trained. Never. Uh, it was just all about running for me. Now as I'm getting older, I have to strength train about twice a week to just not get injured. And it was more for me for running on trails because it's to stay strong and just keep my muscles strong, um, especially for hill hill running mostly <laughs> on trails and things like that. But I just find um I really enjoy I really enjoy feeling strong. So mm. for me, um that's something I've incorporated in the last sort of 12 months religiously is at least trying to do two strength sessions a week. I've dropped back my running. So I used to run six to seven times a week. Sometimes now I'm running maximum four times a week, but I'm doing two strength sessions and I'll walk the dog pretty much every day as well. And, you know, doing some stretching if I'm good, which I'm not very good at, <laughs> very good. But that's another thing that, you know, we have to try and fit into this bubble life. marathon it's training. Yeah. Right. And- Sometimes it's just not able to be fit in. So we have to prioritize what's important to us um, and what works for us, I guess, um, is answering that question. Yes, strength training is is important for runners, but it doesn't have to be that you're going and using heavy weights and doing hard weight training. It's just you can just do, you know, training using your body weight and just a few lunges and stretches and squats and things like that that that, that just keep you strong, single leg, you know, sits, things like that that keep you strong. um, stretching and keeping your body mobile is probably the most important thing um, to keep us moving. Okay, the next question is there's so many questions. <laughs> I'm going to have to pick through some of the most important ones. What portion of training um, focuses on speed for you? So someone said, is it a 2080 rule? But I mean, Kind of depends on the week and what you're training for. But what about you, Lisa? I mean, yours is probably a lot of speed.
2: <laughs> no, it depends on the race that you're training for. So it's different for a 10K versus a marathon. So you want to be touching on sessions. Uh, you know, if you're training for a marathon, you want to be tapping into your 10K speed at least once a week. Yes. So that would be your speed interval work, your 1K reps and, you know, mile reps, those types of things if you and even 400s um, to break it down. And, you know, don't don't be thinking that you just have to do like 8 by 1K. I think everybody kind of goes to the defaults of, you know, the same rep of I've got to do 8 by 1K. You don't need to. You can do like 1K and then 500 metres and alternate or, you know, and just make it a bit more, I guess, appetising, you know, where you're not just continually doing that same workout week after week. Um, Then we sort of touch on half marathon speed in the second workout. In the marathon training blocks, we do a fair bit of volume. So everything comes with a lot of volume to get that um, total overall mileage. Uh, And then obviously the long run, and you can choose in the long run whether you do a solid long run, whether you add some marathon effort work into it. Um, But if you're doing that, um, I guess my advice is that as you build up each week into the program, out of those three sessions, I only pick one to improve on. So don't try to go week one, I do this. Then week two, I might increase my reps on Tuesday and run a little bit faster on Thursday and mm-hmm. you know, and then increase my marathon effort within a long run on, on Sunday, because give yourself a week later and you'll have an injury somewhere. <laughs> so yeah. I guess pick one thing to improve on every week mm-hmm. and that'll keep you consistent. Um, and avoid injury and that's how you can avoid doing too much strength work as well mm. so if you if yeah. you layer that carefully and consistently you won't need to do as much strength work because the body will adapt naturally across the weeks until you hit the marathon um, race day and probably also um, just be mindful as females that we tend to need a down week every four weeks um you may feel just like Ugh. um you know, at every four weeks. Mm. So just know that that's there. And if you are running really well for three weeks and then the fourth week you're like, oh, I just can't do this today, kind of go, oh, okay. Yeah, I know why that is and that's okay. I'll do what I, you know, I won't overdo it and I won't push myself beyond my limits um, during that week or be hard on myself because I couldn't hit the same times as last week because you'll bounce back the, the next week. So I find that, you know, every three weeks I have pretty good three weeks and
0: then I'm, like, gasping for a recovery time by week four. Yeah. And that's a really good question. That is one question that people want to know. I mean, it is important to have that periodization in training. You know, I always give people load and then a bit of a recovery week or call it like a low week. Um, But if you can try and incorporate your training around your cycle, um, even better that's not easy to do but you know I think if you're in tune with your body and how your body feels as well and if especially if you're working with someone just that constant communication with them about how your body's feeling in the training um, but yeah like don't, don't be too hard on yourself like when you get to that that week that that fourth week when you are fatigued and you might be feeling yuck um yeah have have a lighter sessions have a lower week and allow your body to adapt which is so important with marathon training that adaptation that we need to be able to keep going throughout the program okay Mm -hmm. the next one is mm, let me see okay someone wanted to know if some of your long run and you just touched on this before should be at marathon pace they run their easy run, or or should they run their easy runs according to heart rate and try and stay in their easy zone? Should they be picking up the pace in the later part of their long run each week to get their body used to marathon pace? Who wants to answer this one?
1: Look, Do you want I, me to start? I, you go, Anna. Yeah, I mean, everything Lisa said was exactly when I when I was training properly um, was exactly what I was doing as well. Um, you can't get faster without doing speed sessions. It, it's, <laughs> it's just not possible so if you think you can you know cruise along just having a good relaxed run every day of the week if you want to get faster you need to do intervals but that's that's do you do it do
0: you do it in your long run do you do speed in incorporating it into your long run
1: um i it would depend on on where i was in in the training cycle and how far out the marathon was um certainly i would have my long runs generally and and i'm talking now because i don't train like this anymore my gen, generally my long runs were easy they were easy the speed sessions were the speed sessions and the long runs were easy um i would have sessions though where in a long run i would throw in um something slightly faster in the middle or i would throw in something slightly faster at the end but, again, it just depended how far out from the marathon it was and what the purpose of that session was um, and what else I'd done the rest of the week. I don't think there's a, there's sort of no it, – it, you can't say yes, do that every week because it, do, it doesn't serve the purpose. It depends on what your your week has looked like, how hard you've done your, your interval sessions. It's kind of it, – it's, it's, it's not just, uh, okay, well, every week you should go faster in your long run at the end. It mm. doesn't really work like that. My My general rule is – Use your interval sessions for your interval sessions. Go really hard. Um, Use your your long runs for easy long runs. Um, And then just depending on where you're you're at with your and what your weeks look like, you you, you can throw in some of those faster parts in 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 a long run. But um, I think there's a lot of variables to that, and I probably wouldn't say go go out and do that every week because I don't think it would serve the right purpose and and achieve what you're trying to achieve.
0: What's your take on that, Lisa? Yeah, look, I, as I said, probably at the start, like I've been
2: at this for a long time because I've loaded and yeah. tested things out over many, many years. Um, I think that if you want to run a fast marathon, you have to practice running fast when you're tired. Mm-hmm. So that's the purpose of running marathon pace or at least not necessarily your goal pace but marathon effort. So when you're in a large training block, you're going to be tired So your intervals are not, you know, you might be wanting to get into 10K effort, but it won't necessarily be 10K pace. Mm. Similarly, with the marathon, the long run when you're introducing, you know, some like say you might finish the last 5K hard or you might do a couple of 3K efforts in your marathon or you might do the last 10K, you know, you might work yourself up to running the last 10K solid. Mm. You don't necessarily have to hit your marathon goal pace. What you're wanting to be doing is replicating that feeling when yeah. you've already ran part of your long run, you feel really tired, but you've got to keep going, and you got, to, and you're trying to pick it up. And so you should be feeling that way, and you know, practicing that because that's how you run faster. Because um, you're at, you're train, train blah, changing your physiology to uh, you know to run faster and run faster than you ever have before.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but as Anna touched on, you need to do it as part of an, a a long training plan. You can't, you don't just chuck one in there, and start running. Yeah yeah you build up so maybe if you've never done it before and you're used to running easy um for say your long run now is an hour and a half um you know maybe you'll start to add you know the last 2k you might run strong heavily puffy you know just pick Mm -hmm. it up a bit you know and then just build from there rather than going all in and throwing it all in there in day one after listening to this podcast (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, yeah they're like, oh, no, i'll just just like my 20k run i'm gonna run the last <laughs> effort. <Let's> <laughs> no i That's really fair. like um putting in my training for girls running just not so much trails but if they're running road races i quite enjoy every now and then putting in probably more mm-hmm. towards before taper like when they've had good solid build just seeing how they can go by picking up in the last part of their long run it's not the whole long run of course it's like part of the long run or in in the long run somewhere just to see. But I really like at the end of the long run to see whether they can try. And I've never set pace ever. It's just effort. So I'm like try and do effort at the end for this long or whatever um, just to see how they feel. And I want them to tell me how they felt um, at that time because it is a good indicator of your training. It's a good indicator of how you're going to feel on marathon day or half marathon day. Um, when you are getting to the later I mean, and what you've got left in you mentally to be able to push through when it's getting tough as well. Um, yeah. I quite like putting that in. Okay. One of the next questions is, okay, this is a good question actually. For slower runners, how do we get enough distance in our legs? So a lot of people train by time. A lot of people train by distance. What would you say to someone who's coming to train for Sydney Marathon and it's a seven-hour cutoff and they might take seven hours to do the marathon, how do they get enough distances in in their legs for training? Are we still training them to do what you would standardize like do for someone who's running a marathon uh, in terms of up to like 32 kilometres? Are we still asking these people to run 32 kilometres like what would be your take on that, Lisa, for someone who might take five hours to run 32 kilometres? Are we asking them to do a five-hour run? <laughs> well, I wouldn't ask anyone
2: to do anything that I wouldn't want to do and <laughs> yeah.
3: I wouldn't have to go every
2: Sunday and run for five hours. I love running but I don't want to do no, that. No, me no either. So no. no. Um, so I guess, I guess if you're running for five hours... You need to probably be doing more than, you know, more than just running a couple of times a week, right? So mm-hmm. that you, you know, so that you're conditioning yourself, and that you don't hurt something significantly as a result of the marathon. So I guess yeah. I'm probably not um, qualified to. to you know, to go into a program that would be generalized for that, yeah. um, I'd put that caveat out there for someone who's never ran a marathon before and is wanting to do it for the first time.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and but what I would say is that I think that if you're doing one and it will take between five and seven hours, then I would assume in that that you would be um, having parts of the race where you're um, it's almost interval like, where you're. You're running at a certain pace that you might, you know, walk at the drink stations and get your drinks perhaps. That might be how it's done or how you do it. Or um, you might have a group of friends that you're with and, you know, you set goals within that race where you're going to run, you know, 3K, walk 500 metres. You know, how how you break yeah. that up to be able to get through that distance that you've never experienced before would all be part of that conversation and part of that long-term plan. So. The reason i say that is because you'd want to replicate that kind of idea in the training
3: yeah so you wouldn't
2: yes. say go and run for five hours because they probably you will probably listeners in that situation end up really sore and not be able to train for another two weeks right yes. and so you'd have to you'd still have to do everything very structured and and gradual improvements in your weekly training mm-hmm. so if you're starting out and you're only running about 30k a week, for example, and your goal is the marathon in 12 weeks, then you're not going to get up to 32k, I would think, in that time frame. And so then you would just go, you would take your program where you're incre- you know, improving one of your runs each week so that you are incrementally adapting. And then you get to that close range of your marathon and say, all right, am I ready for this? And how do I then want to strategically finish the race? And then you would plan out how you're going to get to the finish line based on what you've been able to achieve in training. That would be how I would tackle it if I was advising someone on how to do it rather than go, I've got this goal at the end. I must hit, hit this goal, do or die. Um, <laughs> Maybe and work die. backwards because <laughs> you won't get the math. The math won't work out. Yeah. you get sore or sick.
3: in. Yeah.
2: You know, yeah. And then you can address, assess then how to strategically finish and who you need And what support you need in order to do that. Because it's still an achievable goal. Mm It would just be about having a sensible plan and what breaks you need to get to the finish if you haven't been able to do as much training in the lead up.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I really like that. And, you know, it's still doable and achievable for a lot of people to do that. And like, you know, like you said, just improving on that, you know, a few sessions a week, improving on that one even to just get you close enough. And I really like... um, you know if if you're one of those people that are doing the I guess interval style running like so run walk or whatever um sometimes you can even I like to maybe adapt the load in terms of doing a few back-to-back type sessions as well so your body's getting used to load backing up on a session so instead of one big long run on a Sunday you can run Saturday and then Sunday backing up on tighter legs that kind of thing to you know assimilate Train running what it's going to feel like on race day because no matter what it's still going to hurt you (laughs) in your legs come 35 kilometers whether you've run walked it or whether you've just run it it's still a distance we're still covering the same amount of distance I think um
1: I think for for someone who is starting out and is concerned about the kilometers and whether they're doing doing their program by minutes or kilometers if you have a program and you are consistent and you do the sessions you need to believe in the program that you're following so don't dub, don't second guess the program or second guess yourself you need to be consistent tick off every session and go in there believing in that program because the, the like, marathons hurt so if you're doing a marathon and this is your first marathon and you're like oh it's Going to be a you know, if I stick to this plan, it's going to go, it's going to be um, beer and Skittles. Like, they, it's not like that, it's they're going to hurt the last 10k. Whether you're an elite athlete mm-hmm. or you're in the pack, the last 10k are really crap. So, um, <laughs> go in there with that expectation, but believe in your training.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: if you have a program, and, and you know, I've, I've got both the um, the beginner plan um, and the intermediate plan from the Sydney um, Marathon website up on my screen, like, um, and I'm doing the intermediate plan with my girlfriends. You've got to believe in your training. Mm. You've got to have faith that someone knows what they're doing when they've put this program together. And if you're sticking to it, you're going to be okay. Mm. Are you going to break a world record? Probably not. Is the last 10K going to be really worry, joyful? Neither am I. Probably not. <laughs> So believe in what you're doing and don't double don't don't second guess yourself because otherwise you're gonna go in there and that that mental part is a big part of marathons. Like yeah, you know, it, it's not just being physically trained, it's the mental ability to get through. And if you're already second guessing yourself and we're in week nine of training, that's gonna be a very long 42k.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's talk about mental. That was one of the questions. Is how do we prepare for and get over the mental struggle when it gets hard? Who wants to answer this one? <laughs> So when it gets hard, it could get hard on kilometre two. I've been in races <laughs> before where it's hard at kilometre two and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like literally I've got 48 kilometres to go. Like,
1: you know what I, mean? I think like, going I in there do. with a really positive mindset and having a mantra or a couple of mantras that you keep going back to remembering why you do this and, and the joy that it does give you. Um, I, you know, it's rare that I have a... a negativity because I'm doing what I love um but I think going in there thinking the best of every opportunity um and knowing that it's going to be hard like if you're going in there and you're thinking it's not going to be hard then I think you're gonna have a pretty tough run mm. um but knowing it's going to be hard but the joy and the growth that you get in hard doing hard things mm. I think that's that that's the attitude you need to go in there with the right attitude and with the right mantra and the and the growth opportunity in doing something that's difficult because no matter where you are in in your life or your training or or your running and this is one of the things i love about marathons is they're actually just hard they're really hard um Mm -hmm. and you can have done you know 5 10 20 100 marathons and they're hard but there's nothing like that sense of achievement and i think that you only get that from doing hard things Mm -hmm. um and so knowing that it's hard but knowing that that there's growth there i think you've just got to keep going back to to the, how, how lucky we are to have the privilege of having that growth in in being able to run a marathon like
3: mm-hmm. i just
1: think i always think when i'm in at a race particularly after covid oh my gosh i am so lucky to be here with all of these people running a race um you know, it's such a privilege and we're so lucky. And I think going back to the, all the positives and, and all of the, you know, wonderful parts of being part of this running community, being part of, um, you know, a marathon in, in, in our beautiful country, I just, uh, it, it's hard to stay too long in that zone of, of pain and suffering and, and hardship when you've got so much to be grateful for.
0: You know, there's going to be times in a marathon when it gets hard. Probably most marathons (laughs) I've ever run, it's gotten hard. I can't really remember maybe one where I felt really comfortable most of the marathon. But maybe I just wasn't on the line. You know, I wasn't really (laughs) pushing as hard as I would normally. But it's going to get hard. And I think you need to have little ways to change your mindset, change your focus. What do you use, Lisa, in it gets hard for you i would know that it would get hard for you you're pushing see the photos right redlining (laughs) the whole (laughs) way what do you want what do you use to get you to the end when it gets hard for you
2: yeah so i think it comes back to a couple of things i think one i get confidence in being present and prepared so like i said earlier if i'm not invested and i kind of end up signing up to something because i think i should have or i kind of get forced down a path and I'm not quite invested. Then I kind of am not. I'm there, but I'm not there. Mm. Um, which was very, you know, you know. There's been a couple of marathons where I've kind of been there but not there. If that, if you can sort of understand that feeling, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and in that, my in those situations, because you don't have that guiding or that you know that guiding star, I guess it's hard to turn your little brain that's saying this is so stupid, didn't want to do this in the first place, why am I even here, blah, blah, blah. It's hard to turn that off when you're not invested in this, right? Um, But I think probably for me, I think the most uh, tough, mentally tough and strong I've ever been was um, 2019 when I ran Chicago and vomited my way through the last 10 (laughs) k <laughs> um, because I was so invested in that goal. Like I trained so hard. I you know, I thought, oh, this is gonna be a PV, you know, like I was totally this was just gonna happen, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I've been that confident in my life. Um, and yeah, got this awful feeling in my um just uh, below my rib cage, and then all of a sudden it was not very good from that point onwards. But I used you know, like you said, I was constantly like, you know what, if I go for a bit longer, you know, that uh, that that old game, of, if I go a bit longer, this might subside and I'll be closer to the finish and I might still get there, you know, I might still, I won't be a PV, but it'll be, you know, still, you know, better than pulling out, you know, and I constantly was telling myself that until finally the- that hill that you go up to get to Chicago was finally there and I was finished and in a wheelchair. But anyway, <laughs> but, but that's probably the toughest I've ever been in a marathon because I was so invested and I was able to fight off that voice of saying, what are you doing here? Whereas there's been other events where I haven't really been as invested and I've kind of had those thoughts and I've let them take over. And then once they take over, it's very difficult to turn them off, right? If if I let's be totally real in this conversation, right? Because yeah. it is very hard to turn them off if you feel that way. It's, you know, and um, but what I guess this when you're in that middle ground where you're fully invested and something goes wrong, the best advice I can give you, which is what I've learned, is practice those mental strategies in the training. So that's exactly what the long run is for.
3: Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's
2: exactly why you put the hard bit at the end of the long run because you can then go far out This been, you'll you will at some point go I don't want to go and do this 35k run or whatever it may be, 25k run, whatever you're at at the time it's been such a long week, it's Sunday, the kids are playing, I just want to go and do what they're doing. Now I'm going out and doing this run. So you need a buddy or multiple buddies to go and be able to do that with. But then internally, your mind, you need to practice how you switch that off. So if you set your goal of what it is that you're going to use as your strategy, whether that is a mantra, whether that is thoughts about a previous race, whether that is remembering the session that you did, the best session you've ever done and how that felt like. If you can, when you start to go, this is awful and I'm insane, you go, but remember when I did this or remember when I crossed the finish line here and how good that felt. If you can practice that in training, you'll be able to pull it out at the times you need it in a race. But if you don't practice it, just like with anything, you'll just, that that voice of this is terribly hard will just take over.
0: Mm. I love that. And I, that is totally what the long run is for. Like those, when you get to that point of training and you're doing those big, big runs, like use that time, like practice. And I would even go to say, um, some of those runs, I would try and do them on my own because I need to be in my head. Cause on race day, most of the time I'm in my, I'm on my own and like, yeah, I'm surrounded by people, but I'm running on my own. And even on the weekend. Um, I thought I had a 10K I did at Sydney. I had the best race. I didn't redline it. I was like, just wanting to have a nice temper. I just wanted to feel strong, which was my goal. That was my goal. I set it up from the start. You're not going to go all out, Nicole, but you're going to run strong in and I feel really strong. And I did. And I purposely didn't take any music. I thought, no, I'm not having any music. I need to be in my head. I want to be able to tell myself, you know, how I, how you feeling, Nicole? Like, what can you use around you? How can you keep going without something? in external in my head. Um, it was really good practice because you need to be able to draw on those moments in races. And I often use those, like especially if I'm doing long ultras and things. I'll draw on moments that I've had in training and how I felt to be able to get me through. Um, some things I really love to um is writing things on my hand or on my arm or on my finger. Or wearing something special to me. Um, You know, I've been given necklace in the past from Anna that has like a mountain on it. Like wearing something like that to remind me if it gets hard, I can hold it. Like things like that just to bring you through those hard times. Um, But you know, there's the
2: other thing that you can do and i only know this because i ran tokyo and i ran it not on the red line and like there were other people like other rmas and they were running the other on the other side of a different wave and they were waving and i was yeah. being able to say hi and everything so i totally experienced the marathon not on the red line yeah. and it's really fun i'd never done it before <laughs> and <there's laughs> all the other option is you are so all you're yelling. I've done around all world. around
1: the world, cheering you on. You've never heard me. I've cheered you on in Chicago, <laughs> <laughs> around the world, and you've never heard anything I've said at you. Com games. games.
2: But yeah, that's the other option. If your goal is about finishing, don't necessarily have to run on the red
0: line, and then that no. is really
2: fun, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: But even if, like, you are about finishing. I mean, I don't know. I've never, like, no, as I to, I've never run a race about finishing. I have normally, well, I've never run a marathon where, except actually one. I did. I did run a marathon to finish. I was running with my best friend. It was her first marathon and I paced her to her first marathon. And it was the most fun marathon because my whole goal was just about getting her to the end. And, like, I'm sure she thought that I was the Fruit Loop and I was mm-hmm. having all the fun and she was hating life. But I, was, I got her there, right? And, like, you know. dearly if you're listening, remember that Brisbane marathon? <laughs> yeah. um, but I think, like, you know, even if it is about getting to the end, having fun, like, it's still probably going to get a little hard at the end of the marathon. But, like, mm. you'll probably be surrounded by your buddies and you'll be having fun. Um, That's right. 13,000, maybe 15,000, maybe 17,000, maybe as the week's go (laughs) by. Or use the (laughs) activations along the way to make it fun for you, like to keep you going, like dance with the people that are playing the band and, you know, allow the people to cheer you through and high-five them, like actually get involved in the whole experience to get you to the end. Okay, another question is nutrition let's get on to that quickly so fueling before a marathon someone said when should you start is it the day before or two to three days before what a, what about fueling for you now this is different for everybody everybody's a little bit different but like how do you prepare yourself Lisa for fueling for a marathon are you like eating lots of carbs like what are you doing
2: a few days yeah before? so
0: seven days prior I eat more
2: protein and less carbs not no carbs just less just because I'm training less so the total nutrition that I need to run all of the previous weeks is obviously a lot more because I'm running a lot you know I'm running almost double the distance every week so I don't need that many calories when I start to decrease the you know the kilometers that I'm doing it's just basic math so I, we tend to um, increase the protein to give you all of that recovery as you're trying to um, peak for the following weekend. And then say the race is on a Sunday, then we start loading Thursday night. So we'll reduce the and we'll keep everything like pretty plain, like try to reduce fibre, stay away from garlic and onion and things like that, and Eat pretty plain food.
3: Yeah. I
2: tend not to eat pasta the day before. I find it sits in my stomach funny. Um, I don't have, like, celiac or anything like that, but I still find that it does feel a bit, like, too heavy, too much. So I stick to rice and potatoes and things like that Um, on the day before bananas, you know, on the day before. But the previous day, because you you don't want to eat rice every day, it gets a bit boring, but (laughs) the day before, you know, in the early part, like the Thursday night, I'll eat pasta so that you get a bit of variety and taste before you get to the, the the rice only meals uh yeah so that kind of works for me um and then after the race you know you just tend to crave hot chips and burgers 100%. really so it's usually hot
0: chips and burgers <laughs> 100%. straight for the burger is how I go <laughs> well, yeah, I go for like- a chocolate milkshake and a burger I don't know I just love that yeah love- that's pretty good mm-hmm. it's
2: exactly what Lachlan got after Berlin Mm. he walked for hours to go get us burgers and brought him back to the
0: hotel <laughs> there's nothing better than a burger after a yeah. long run oh,
1: it's the best Emily like, okay. do you um hydrate more that week leading up try to drink more water or anything like that or you know yeah so, that?
2: yeah so it depends on the marathon like obviously with the hot ones definitely um I did some sweat testing with precision hydration just a few weeks before I came to Cairns and the good news is i don't have any issues with excessive salt Um, so i still sweat i still cool my body down really well but the sweat content isn't high so therefore i don't have to load too much but i have a um i use one of their electrolyte um tablets and have that the night before and the morning off um and that's enough Uh, i don't need to do anything even in the in the serious heat but Having that, so you know that that getting a bit of an understanding as to what your salt levels are like is, you know, is helpful because then you can actually understand: are you, are you losing fluid and therefore need to replace the fluid, or do you need to replace yes. the salts salt. as well? And everyone's gonna be different. So yeah. Yeah. size, you know, I'm tiny; like I'm really short. There's not much of me. So you know how I um, dissipate the heat is gonna be different to someone who's, you know, a basketball player, for example. Mm. You know um they're going to have different requirements and you know it's that's sort of an individualized plan that you need yeah so it's important to to do that um to understand in the lead
0: up what's going to work and to test that out in your training as well Mm, absolutely test that out in your training that's another question and once again it's it's different for everybody what they like what they can tolerate in train in training and racing in terms of nutrition but like what kind of fueling strategy let's ask Anna like what kind of fueling strategy do you use in a marathon like are you taking gels or do you use lollies like what do you use and how often would you take? I feel like
1: it depends where you're at in your journey like when I was racing I would have a pretty scheduled um you know I'd have it pretty planned out what I was going to take and when and I would know exactly when in my race I would be taking what and I also would be very disciplined the week of in terms of um what i ate and what i drank um now i'm much less disciplined so i feel like you know it depends what you're trying to get out of the race and how many you've run um i've run enough marathons that i'm pretty comfortable with being able to be be relaxed about how how i approach my marathons even the night before i'm still having a glass of wine and you know i'm pretty relaxed i have those uh chomps um i can't ever eat a full one so i usually just have a little bite with something in my mouth um sort of between 15 and uh, between sort of 5 and and 20k um and then i use my gels as a reward (laughs) so (laughs) i get the chocolate gels once i get to certain distances I probably don't need the nutrition. I just want to taste some chocolate because I've done so well to get another five k in. Um, so I go, I go and get the nice like goo chocolate and um, salted caramel, and it's it's probably less about fueling and much more about having a treat at some point. Um, but that's what I use. Um, I didn't, I, mind you, I didn't use either of those things when I was when I was racing and training more seriously. Um, yeah. It's just a sort of bit of a joy to have a bit of chocolate after after another 5k in
0: that's so funny i mean everyone's so different in what they like i mean there's so many different gels on the market that you can try i mean i started my first marathon i used jelly beans literally I used jelly beans. That's what I had in a little flip belt thing um, at the front. Um, I used that in training and then I just drank the on-course nutrition, um, hydration, I should say. Um, and, um, you know, you can get tailwind. There's lots of alternatives like bars and chomps. And, and I mean, you should
1: try it all. Like try, try it key. in training Absolutely. because you don't want to be trying it in a marathon and suddenly yes. be going to the toilet. Um, yeah. Like it's, yeah, whatever you're going to do, make sure you've, tested it out or you've done enough marathons that you know when your tummy is going to get upset or not um
0: yeah, yeah. that's it and i think to... that's the thing is you just have to try it on, in training and and also adjust it like you know in terms of like if the days unseasonably be worn you might need to take on some extra hydration like you know you might need to consider having extra hydration like the day before things like that um and I some saw, of those are just tough
1: lessons in life, right?
0: You learn that in a hot
1: race. You go, okay, well, I can't do that again. Um, you know, yeah. I've had I had a race where it was a really hot day and um, I was so paranoid that the whole day I drank like electrolytes all day and then I was so sick by the time I got through the first 5K because I was so mm-hmm. full of electrolytes, I actually needed to vomit them out.
3: Yeah, you, you
1: kind of live and learn right you, you yeah, learn that you about that. yourself and you can work it out as you do as you do, do more running it's about trying it and seeing what works for you and your body yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: most marathon plans are, you know at least 12 weeks long so you'd imagine in 12 weeks you've tried a few things to see and especially on those long runs trying everything including what you're wearing on race day right down to your knickers and your socks Bra, especially because that can cause most issues for women. Um, try everything, everything, try everything. Um, okay. Another question is okay, what is your go to recovery after a marathon? So, obviously, we've trained really hard and we've run the race, whether we've taken, you know, three hours, two hours, something or seven hours to run the marathon, we all did a marathon, um, what would you say is the best tips for you to recover? What do you like to do, Lisa, after a marathon? Meaning that day or? Oh, let's talk about day. just the week after, like from the day to the week after, what would that kind of look like for you?
2: Um. So it's all been very different and that's been much about the marathon itself. So if it's been one of the hot ones like Tokyo for example it took me months to recover mentally physically the whole box and dice and I didn't really like running after it <laughs> but she's been <laughs> for a while <laughs> so all I wanted to do is do other things um you know and so and that was really good that was my like therapy for me um, to just take stock work out what I wanted to do next and then decide from there and make plans across different aspects of, mm. you know, our lives. And so that was really nice to not have a a plan, like have a project plan as such yeah, yeah. and just be able to live. Um, not that, you know, <laughs> I'll make it sound negative, but, <laughs> but just for a moment, just step out of that structure and go, okay, what do I want to do next? And what do you want to do next? And, you know, what do we think we can achieve out of this? And if we keep going, what, you know, what do we think we need to do differently in order to get a different result? And so we just took our time with that um, and that was really healthy and helpful. Um, most of the time I come back and it's pretty much straight back to mum life and going to work, right? So it's pretty much pretty much just back to normal. I just run less. Um, <laughs> but if we can, if we're doing a world major, um, then we try to do something that is interesting to Pete um and that we can create a memory out of so uh, going to Japan this year was probably the best trip we've had um he doesn't remember that one of the London trips which was equally as awesome but he was only little then so but he'll remember going to Tokyo Disney riding all the you know teacups eating you know whatever um doing six hours one day six hours the next day and then me trying to run Tokyo Marathon the following week (laughs) um following weekend but we just had so much fun. We just, you know, played in the pool and, you know, just rode the bullet train and just created memories that weren't necessarily about running. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what you then take away. Like I don't remember all the steps in the marathon. You know, I remember some portions of the marathon, you know, you know, it, like the 35K mark and I remember finishing and I remember all these little sort of stories. But, you know, the things that really stick in your mind are like, you know, waiting at the stage and watching people getting their presentations or um you know some things that happen at Tokyo Disney and swimming in the pool and you Mm -hmm. know you just remember all the things that are associated with that Um, you know if I go to Chicago I had such a terrible experience at Chicago but I but the memories I hold on to is like meeting the RMA girls in the park and Pete you know and the boys like playing out the front and, you know, things like that. And I remember yeah. all the people, and you, and it's all the people that you meet in this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so when we got to Tokyo, we did, I did a podcast with a guy that we met, um, you know, and he's from New York City. And, you know, Pete got on his podcast and they were creating this hopefully never released podcast. Um, <laughs> 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 two of them cool. and, you know, just having fun. Um, you know, in those ways that have nothing to do with the race. And I think that's really important because you need to say, hey, I had this amazing achievement, I put so much into it, Um, but hang on, there is another life outside of this running thing Mm -hmm. Um, and making sure you, um, you know, you enjoy that and get that experience and don't kind of miss out on those opportunities um, because you're just only focused on this one thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's my go-to after any big event is just, I don't run for weeks, like literally, until I feel like I'm ready. Like well, Maybe if I'm ready to have a jog, I might. But it's like there's no training that's specific to anything. I just want to go hiking or running around, I don't know, visiting people and going to the beach and, like, just totally change of mindset to something new just to get refocused again just because it's, you're so focused on that one thing for so long and especially people that are following a marathon training plan, that's, you know, pretty much up to like, you know, up to 20 weeks or whatever it is you're following, whatever your plan is, that's a long time to be focused on one thing. Mm -hmm. So enjoy it. If you're coming to Sydney Marathon, after the marathon, have the next day walking around the city, enjoying the beautiful sights of Sydney, go to the cafes and the restaurants and get on a ferry and climb the Harbour Bridge. I don't know, create some memories for yourself, like, and do some fun things in the next coming weeks. What do you like to do, Anna? after anything like i mean i know your marathons these days are kind of a little bit more yes. about different things moment, but...
1: yeah and i think that it's just different for me now the way i well i wouldn't even call it training um i you know i'm back up for a run the next morning yeah. um so you know it, it is so much about the social and the joy of running that um i i want to get up the next morning and go for a run So. Um, the way I run now is all about being able to get on with my life straight away as soon as I cross the finish line, because I I don't have time and I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel tired anymore and I don't want to feel sore. So I run specifically a marathon to ensure at a pace where I know I can go straight to rugby training and watch Josh play a game and then get home and get ironing done and get lunches done. So, um, I guess i i run differently now um so the recovery i probably will go and have a burger with the girls or something but the recovery you know th- there's less focus on the recovery because the the training hasn't been um really killing myself either so it's just um it's about the joy of running and about the social aspects of running mm. um when i was training a little harder it would be a bit different because for me it would be a, I found and I don't know how Lisa does it week in week out but I found those really big volume weeks where it wasn't actually about being sore it was actually about being so tired um and and I and just exhausted and so I think um after you come off that training block and you go into taper and and just getting yourself rested is so so critical and then after the marathon it's it's catching up on sleep and I used to always find that after a marathon It'd take me about a month to even get my eating habits right. Like my weight would really fluctuate for about a month if I if I'd run hard. Um, and and it just took me about a month to feel me again. Um, I don't know what it was. It was just like I just didn't feel quite right for about a month. And then my running started to feel good again. Mm. Um, but I, I mean it's not like that anymore at all.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, it's so important. I mean, you know, to people who have got a goal of like, you know, pushing themselves hard in the marathon and to allow yourself that time to recover you know I would say a month definitely is 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 allow yourself a month to recover (laughs) like from a marathon at least like you know um focus on some other things you can still be active you can still run after a few weeks but just take your mind away from training for a little while so that you are refreshed and ready for the next goal because not only is has your body gone through the ringer um, you know, physically, hormonally, all sorts of things would have changed through that experience of running the marathon. And also mentally, you need to be able to have a guess a little bit of downtime to be able to refocus again um, and feel like you're ready to get back into comfortably running again without the fatigue and and the mind fatigue as well. Um something, you know, something to consider. All right, so we'll just finish up with the hot lap now. So I've got a few questions for both of you, as we do at the end of every single podcast. I thought I would make these a little bit about marathons today. So my first question is for Lisa. Mm -hmm. Out of all the marathons that you have run, tell me which your favourite was.
2: My favourite was New York City. Uh uh at the time Locke and I were building a house and so it was bonkers and we just ran com games and you know it was a pretty crazy time. And I had the opportunity to run New York City and it's like you never turn that down, right? So we were so excited, but I probably wasn't um in the you know in peak able to do a peak training because you know we were we were building a house we were um, finishing that off we were in a rental where we had leaks in the roof and water was coming in we had buckets like on all these different spots in the rental and it was like one of the most difficult times in our lives of far too many balls in the air Um, but I had the opportunity to run New York and so we went and New York it was just such a fantastic experience in every way you know just being in new york obviously experiencing that marathon which is you know just the best ever Mm. and um and really um having so much fun with pete and showing him you know all the sights of new york and having such you know such fun time we were just happy the whole time Mm. um and then i outperformed my own expectations um you know because of that i think uh you know I didn't you know if I had been training like I am now and achieved that result I would have been disappointed because you know what the training I've done and the fitness I have right now um you know I'm trying you know hoping for a a certain position and time and things like that but then I didn't think I was that fit and managed to outperform where I thought I was at so that yeah. also was really fun to come in and go, oh, gosh, I actually did a pretty good job of this, you know, <laughs> yeah. even, even though I wasn't able to train for as long as, as the yeah. others. So, yeah, definitely that one. And I guess the message there is, right, it's it's about the whole experience. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, if you miss some training, it's not the end of the world, but you do need to refocus your goal, right, so yeah. that, you know, you don't necessarily have to have this goal at the start and it stay that way. Um, you can turn it, still turn something into a positive if things go wrong.
0: Mm, I love that. Anna, what has been your hardest marathon and why?
1: Yeah, this took me a long time to think about because I couldn't quite, yeah, I was trying to reflect over all the marathons. Probably Melbourne. I was really sick in Melbourne and I, I was sick um, all through that race. Um, there was also a virtual marathon that I did with Cindy and, um, I think it was two or three weeks after chicago and we'd run chicago and we came back and it was super hot in brisbane we ran this virtual marathon in november and we were both a bit sick um and i just remember sitting on the seat afterwards and i was just meant to be there supporting and cheering her on and i we were both so sick and that just took me months to recover from so probably those two um but definitely that one with cindy um stands out that virtual and i think i've been you know I, all the girls are going to New York next year and they're running the virtual to get an entry and I'm so um, put off by that virtual. I'm like, I'm just going to have to find an entry on the street because I can't run that virtual again. And <laughs> that time with Cindy has scarred me for life. I was just sick for months and months and months after it. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe you hadn't recovered from Chicago. <laughs> that might have been well, the lesson there. <laughs> it was a shocker. Yeah. Yeah um okay Lisa what does running marathons mean to you
2: well I started running I started running the marathon because I started running as a child and then thought you know my dad I'd run with dad and then he sort of said to me say okay, I think you can run right <laughs> you can keep up I think you can run and so it kind of started from there and then you know, I went through my junior years as a cross-country runner and then I got injured and so I wasn't kind of able to necessarily prove to anyone in the, you know, in the high-performance area that I could actually run really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until then I was able to string enough training together to do a half and then then that took the stepping stone. Um, then I took that was the first stepping stone into the marathon. Um, and my coach at the time, and Dick was my mentor, and Pam Tony who's no longer with us, she was my coach in Melbourne, and and we sort of had this goal of if I could hit a certain time in the half, then I'd give the marathon a go. Um, and so we we did that, and and so it's that's kind of how my career has gone, uh, where I've kind of gone, oh, I'll try this and achieve if I achieve that, then I'll pick the next thing and I'll pick the next goal, and so then all these years later, I guess you are constantly chasing what you think you are capable of. And so because I've taken the long road with training and preparation due to all of the different aspects I have going on in my life and and also the injuries in the early days, um, you know, we've tweaked things each time and then built on the next thing and the next thing. So I haven't been, you know, of course I would have liked to have ran some of those races a lot better and faster and all of that, but I guess now where I'm at, I'm happy that the journey has been like this because I've still got goals in mind and hopefully I can um, achieve those and then finish off in a positive way and then you know and then do other things with my life. Yeah. So for me, I guess that's a long answer, but it's been about taking those incremental steps. but the burning desire throughout my whole career was to run as fast as Lisa Dekey. Um, and so I did that in Osaka so then I was like oh what's my next goal <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can retire yeah. now no <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so now it's to obviously finish as high up as I can at worlds um, mm-hmm. and then Olympics next year if I can make the fifth one and create a bit of history then that would be a pretty special way to kind of sign off I guess but um, I won't ever stop running so I'll still be running it's just how many more marathons I decide to sign up for is the real question. Yeah.
0: Oh well, there's always, you know, Sydney when it becomes a world major. That's right. I've got to be Boston to, the end. to get my medal. Um yeah, yeah so I've still got that goal. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah.
2: So there's a few things there that are still keeping the fire burning and um while well, I can still run fast. Mm-hmm. Once I feel like I've tapped out in terms of the um, the pace and the positions that I can finish, and I feel like I can't really give any more. Then that will be me saying, "Yeah, I'm good now. I'm, I've done everything that I want to do." And mm-hmm. we'll, um, yeah, by that stage, it'll be Pete's turn to do whatever it is that he wants to do. Yeah. He's, Current, currently, does cartwheels around the house and um, is good at drawing. And apparently, can, and he can sing as well. So well, I might be off on some other tangent that's got nothing
0: to do with running. I don't know. creative <laughs> arts tangent. <laughs> I love it. Like, I it's funny because um, when you were just talking about like just your journey, then I thought oh, it was interesting. Like when high level athletes do retire, it is difficult, right? It's difficult, and we've had I've had like you know my sister Deb on the sit Student Laura, I should say, Deb on the podcast before talking about that and the difficulty around transitioning. Um do you really do you think that when you do finally retire in like 20 years
3: <laughs>
0: that um, <laughs> it's all about longevity, remember. Um that you will find it hard to run around, like in terms of like Would you ever enter a marathon to just run a four-hour marathon, let's say, or a a four-and-a-half-hour marathon with a friend or with some friends? Would you find that difficult knowing where you've come from? It's hard to probably answer now, but I guess it's something you're envisaging in the future that you will just be a recreational runner is, like, what I'm saying. I'll always run. I'll be like Anna, you
2: know, in the mornings, like, or whenever um, in the day just because I enjoy that kind of know and just being healthy but I would only enter a marathon after (laughs) after the level I'm at if I can help someone yeah so I would do that if I could pay someone to achieve their goal but I wouldn't necessarily want to just sign up to marathons just to do marathons you know because you know hopefully I think I'm at like marathon 23 with Budapest so um you know, I think I've done enough of them, yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> but if I was to be able to help someone achieve their goal and give them that opportunity, then absolutely, because that's yeah. that's fun.
0: Yeah, that, that to me
2: is fun and yeah. is a sense of achievement, and it's there's still a goal there. Mm, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there you go, Anna. You're not far off. I reckon you could get like trump Trumper in the marathon states. You can. Yeah. <laughs>
3: get
0: to twenty-five. Yeah.
3: All right, Anna.
0: Um, what is the thing you love most about seeing people run marathons? I think
1: um, for me, running and RMA have always been very inter- intertwined. I started running um, about this time that RMA was created and so running You know i wasn't i wasn't a particularly gifted athlete in any way shape or form at any point in my life and i started running um and it has been about community so i get a lot out of watching others complete marathons i I don't think there's ever been a finish line i haven't cried at um crying for that sense of achievement for other people um i think you know um Catherine Schweizer said it beautifully that, you know, if you're losing faith in human nature, go out and watch a, a marathon. And I think you see it all in a marathon. You see people helping each other. You see, um, you know, pushing through when people are, are, are really struggling and still getting to the finish line. Um, you just see, the, I think, um, the best of human nature in a marathon. Um, and even when you're watching an elite race um you see you see teammates and you see uh it, it's such a solo sport but it's so not a solo sport um and and there's something mm. so beautiful about a marathon finishing finish line because it's just so hard they are hard to do they're not it's you can't just go wake up one morning and go and run a marathon you everyone has to work to get there and they and they are hard on the day um, and I really, you know, I, I just think that, that that's, there's something really special about being gifted um, that opportunity to be part of that. Um, and I think also, like, you know, when, and I don't know, I, I was in, we were in Chicago, I think, Lisa, when Kipchoge broke too. And and that, you know, it, it wasn't about breaking two. It's about being limitless. And I, I just... There's something just so um, I don't know. Uh, there's something special about the marathon. I think you know. There's that there, that there, you can't script it. You can't script a marathon. You can train so hard for a certain time and it doesn't come together. And then you can think that you know you haven't got it. You're not where you should be. And then it all comes together. And I just love that sense of you don't actually know what's going to happen on the day. And and it's about going out there and and putting it all coming together for you, all that work that you've done. Um, uh, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, even if you're not going to run a marathon, go, go go to the Sydney Marathon finish line, be part of that race and then you'll see what I'm talking about. It's almost something you can't put into words.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. All right, Lisa. last question for you is what has been the best advice that you've been given? about the marathon I've been a lot of advice
2: (laughs) I know that's what I'm saying that that, that's one thing yeah so I think probably one thing is that you need to break it up so you can't be running along thinking oh my gosh I've got 28k to go you know those types of thoughts um so okay I, I can
1: have a chocolate gel that's right,
2: like <laughs> yeah. yeah. well actually i'm a bit like that because at 35k i have flat coke
1: in my water bottle um,
2: and so i'm running to the flat coke. so it's like your chocolate right um, i get sick of all the other stuff at that point in time and and you you know you go for something that tastes completely different so i can totally relate to that so that's probably the other thing um, that Lee Troop told me he has flat coke, you know, which is I think something maybe even Mona did. I'm not sure but because he was coached by Mona. But, um, yeah, having a treat is certainly a, a good one, Anna. Um, mm. And, yeah, for me, that's flat coke. But I think breaking it up because I find that if you start thinking, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I've got 28k to go, uh, then you're a bit, you know, you've you've got a lot of mental training to work through. So if you just think about, you know, this next 3k, um you know and i like to break it down and it's very similar when i run 10k on the track you can't think of it as 25 laps you need to think of it as you know one this is another kilometer or this is 2k or you know however it works for you to break down that race and it got and mentally it will feel like it's going quicker um so that's probably one tip
0: yeah i love that tip Well, I think we've come to the end. I think we've pretty much answered most of the questions that everybody wanted to know. Some of them we answered in our, you know, responses to other questions. So we don't really need to cover much else. But if there is any other questions that anybody has, I'll um, make sure that, you know, you can email me and we can answer them in RMA. Um, But, yeah, I really want to thank you for your time. Both of you bring such um, experience an insight to marathons um, both in your own right in different ways and I just love that about you that everybody's so different yet we all have the same like marathon dreams I guess I'd like to call yeah. it um, and I hope everybody gets a lot out of this tonight so I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing your insights with us.
2: Pleasure and it'll be good to hear everyone else's story uh, following this podcast and yeah it's nice to hear everyone's story I, I like reading more all about the different things that people are up to and and it's really nice when people send me a message and you know tell me all about what's going on and um i know a lot of people feel like they can't message me and and feel shy to do that but it's quite nice to hear everyone's story so um yeah it's i'm more than happy to hear about it and gain that motivation from others just like you do from me so anytime um you want to share please do
0: Oh, thanks, Lisa. Can't wait to watch you at the World Championships.
2: Very exciting. Thanks, Thanks, Anna. It all feels a bit surreal, actually sitting here
3: like it's like am I really doing it yeah
2: yes
0: yes you are <laughs> but it's not far away like it's not, actually a month from today yeah, yeah I don't know How are we are about the marathon now yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness that wow so good. that's incredible well we'll be able to get some I guess motivation from watching you run um that's right Or yeah all just prior
2: for you yeah. girls so that's yeah right. it's pretty cool
0: yeah, I I
2: don't think I'll be racing anything at Sydney it's it'll only be a few weeks later, but um I might be there at least there for the celebration, which would be good. Mm, that'll so be the good, that, bit, right? That, that's the main bit, like
1: <laughs> well, the else you that? <laughs> exactly. That's the best
0: Well, I hope you love this episode talking about all things marathon. If you have any questions, please reach out to us and we will be more than happy to answer them for you. We look forward to sharing in the marathon journeys with so many of our inspiring women over the next 12 months and especially we look forward to sharing in the Sydney Marathon together as a community which is coming up this September. If you haven't registered yet, there is plenty of space the marathon has now clocked over at the time of this recording, 14,000 registrations which is super inspiring and we look forward to sharing in that incredible day. Please head on and rate, subscribe and review our podcast and I look forward to spending another few hours with you, hopefully for your long run, with this podcast in your ears next time.